welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Joy. Play. Laughter. By the time you're in your 60s and beyond, for many women, those three entities feel like work, or they can feel like work, or like a distant memory. We've had some struggles, maybe some health issues, and we've certainly had loss. That's inevitable as we age. We've perhaps also had serious careers, serious responsibilities, and we continue to live through serious world issues. So we give joy and play lip service, pretending they're part of our lives. Of course they are. Ha, ha, ha. But we also have grandchildren and lifelong friends and blue skies at least part of the time, even here on Canada's West Coast. So finding the joy should not be so hard. Today's guest experienced health challenges that left her feeling overwhelmed and stressed out and chose to seek out laughter and play as an antidote. But let's hear her story in her own words. Kim McIntyre, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Hi, uh, thank you for having me and thank you for that great intro. Oh, no, that's great. Do you mind sharing your story, how you moved from overwhelm and stress to joy and laughter and fun and play? Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> um, I be- had a health challenge. I've had a-, had a number of health challenges, actually, and a number of stress things all pile up in my life right around 2000 and 2001. And I just was listening to what all these doctors wanted to do to my body, right? And it was very stressful and trying to make decisions and and a lot of fear. And it turned out to be not life-threatening, but they still want to do all these different procedures. And so I just hit the pause button and uh, there was a mind-body wellness program, or there used to be, in my city, and I went to that for a couple of weeks, and we did all kinds of wonderful things to help us, right? To help us find our center, find our calm, all of that wonderful thing. And then they also did something every day that turned out to be my favorite, and that was laughter and play therapy. So we would, like, play games without keeping score, and so much laughter flowed out of that, and it felt like coming home. It felt like coming home to who I really am, who I'd lost touch with in the middle of all the stuff that had been going on in my life. And it just felt like a light bulb turning on inside of me. And then um, after that program ended and I was in the middle of resolving the health issues, I was missing my laughter and play therapy every day. I'm like, where's my laughter fix, right? And so I then found not long after that in just an ad in a magazine, a training that I could go to to become a certified laughter leader. And that just led me on this whole other path where now 
I get to help people to turn that light bulb on inside of them and, and feel that uplift again. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and I can well imagine that the first part of that story is it's so common amongst so many people and especially yeah. women you know, they pile up and, and your responsibilities don't go away. Just other no. stuff gets loaded on. No. And yeah. So. Things just pile up and pile up and pile up. And then you're like, I have no idea what joy is. Joy isn't even on the radar, right? It's just a nice wishful thought. <laughs> yeah. No, I bet. Yeah. 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 So n- now you're, I was snooping around your website, a joyful living teacher and certified laughter leader. Yes. Like that sounds so great. Like, do you mind just (laughs) sharing a wee bit of the process just in case there's someone out there who says, I want to be that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, for me, it's been just 20 plus years of leading laughter groups. And I'm also a yoga teacher. So I help with stress relief as well. I actually, my yoga school closed during the pandemic. So I'm like looking to find that new um, yoga outlet again. But I'm, I'm not sure what you're asking. I mean, yes, there's trainings all over the world. There's two different schools of the trainings. There's a doctor in India who started a laughter club training. He was the originator of it back in the early 90s. And there's another a doctor who brought it to this country who I trained with. And I've met them both and um, gone to workshops with them. And for me, it's just a process of also using, I have a theater background. So when I do presentations and groups, um, I bring all of that entertainment piece to it as well to keep it lively and interesting for people. So I wouldn't know how to tell somebody else to go about doing it other than to go get trained. And there actually are people with the training who then specialize in taking it into long-term care facilities or other, you know, other things like that, that that's not my specialty. I do more corporate groups and conventions and things like that. Um, And then also I help people online doing more in-depth teaching, either it's classes on Zoom or little mini courses that I offer or things like that to help people like rediscover, you know, what is joy for me? Because it's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) just as you're explaining some of your background and that, I'm thinking, so maybe that illness was, or the health challenges were almost a gift because you found your calling. <laughs> it did. It felt like, oh, this is the joy I used to get from performing because I had stopped okay. performing at that point. And it was, you know, in theater school, there's all these amazing, you know, acting exercises you do that are so filled with life and vibrancy and joy and exploration as a person and awareness and And yeah, all of that had dropped out of my life and my life had gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. So it was really kind of opening life back up again, you know, and I know probably some of your people are, you know, maybe going through that transition of being retired or semi-retired and it's that opportunity. I've, I've seen it go both ways where somebody might open up and explore and try all kinds of new things. There's, there's one of my students who's taken a couple of my classes, who's in my Facebook group and I'll just see posts from her like, Oh, I'm going and doing this and oh, I'm going and doing that. And I'm taking here and doing that. And we got an RV and we're going to go. And, and just, I see her opening wider and wider and wider and, And then you also see people who the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller, especially with everything that's gone on the last couple of years. And if you have a strong personal identity to your work life and all of that, then uh, you need to make a conscious choice to find that opening back up again, 
you know. Good. Yeah. That might be a, a good segue into what I was going to ask you next. Just, you know, there are women out there, you've probably seen them, and I certainly have, who when they hear joy, they see mountains, you know. When they hear mm. laughter, they can't remember how. Right. So if someone feels that they're unable to find or experience joy, mm-hmm. what what are some suggestions for them? Well, there, it, it depends on the person, right? So if they are truly unable, if it just looks like a big mountain, then that's, that's one thing. But if they truly, maybe they're having depression or anxiety or something like that, and they need to seek support, you know, maybe that's not what I do, but they might need a therapist or a, a clergy or somebody to help them find um, what's the deeper thing that's going on with them. If there's some kind of deeper thing that needs to be addressed. But if it's just this overwhelm that looks like this big, huge thing, the number one tip is start small, you know, because okay. people think that joy has to be some big giant event, right? Some, you're in or you're you know, out. <laughs> right. A wedding, a birth of a child, you know, a big party, whatever. It can be as simple as smelling a flower or like you said in your intro, looking at the blue sky, you know, or going for a walk or finding the sweet little moments of everyday life. So I would say start small and be compassionate with yourself in it. And if joy is too far of a stretch, the other option is to, well, don't aim for joy. Just aim for something that's soothing or something that's comforting for you. Like joy may be too big a leap any given day. I I actually had one of those days a couple days ago (laughs) where like joy was just too far a leap. So what did I do? I took a a bath and made some tea and had a soft blanket and pet my cat for a while and, and made a little space for that comfort soothing space that just fluffed me up a little made me feel a little better yeah right now i I don't want anybody that's listening to think that we're going to dwell on the the downside of life Mm -hmm. Uh, but i do i want to start there so that we end on a high note there's some of the people out there are caregivers um you know maybe family a a spouse has uh, a serious illness or they've got a frail parent now they feel guilty taking that time to Mm -hmm. go and do something happy, joyful, whatever. Right. How do they address the guilt? Well, here's the thing. They can't be there for other people in the way they want to be there for other people if they're running on fumes themselves. And doing something enjoyable or even soothing, it's a way to refuel your energy so you can be better for the people that you want to serve. And I, there was one group here uh, near where I live that, offers a caregivers conference once a year for people who are in the position of caregiving so they can have a break and go and recharge themselves. And so one of I would go and, and talk to them and for them, I'd always do my laughter thing. And, and they just, it was like, they were the best audience ever because it's like they were sponges, like they really, really needed it, you know? But when you're in the middle of the day-to-day, right? You're not off on a caregivers retreat and you're in the middle of the day-to-day, to find ways to weave it in, in, in short little bits, you know, to just give yourself permission. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, but to have a little enjoyment here and there, but yeah, caregiving is a 24 seven thing for a lot of people. And it's, it, it is all of your being, but if you don't recharge yourself and that might be to have a friend from your church or if your friend come over and read to your, you know, your person you're taking care of for a while. So you can go take a walk or you can go, you know, 
do whatever you need to do to refuel yourself. Yeah. And give yourself permission because what you were talking about was the guilt. And honestly, you just need to give yourself permission that it is okay. And it, that is one reason why people have guilt. But there are so many other reasons that people have guilt. Oh, there's these horrible things going on in the world. So I can't express joy or I can't laugh. Or I'm supposed to be working all the time, right? Like work, I'm supposed to be productive 24-7. <laughs> like, like people are like, I gotta work, 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 work. And like judge themselves as lazy if they're not productive all the time. And so there are all these different judgments that come in and get in the way. But guilt doesn't serve you in that instance. <laughs> it's not doing anything for you. It's just a voice of guilt in your head. Yeah. yeah. And there's, a, there's an interesting exercise in one of my favorite books. It's called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And he has this little perception shift where if you imagine a person sitting next to you on the couch and that person is saying all your thoughts out loud to you as though that was their conversation. <laughs> would you want to stay on that couch with that person? You know, would you wanna, if it was somebody else telling you all the stuff that's in your own head, yeah. would you, would you go, I, I think I need to like leave the room now. <laughs> you know? Well, I've sometimes so, said too, that like all the things we say to ourselves, mm-hmm. if we heard our friends saying that, we would jump right in there and say, let me reframe this whole situation. Exactly. As you said, we're far harsher with ourselves than you yeah. know, we'd ever allow a friend. Yeah. To. Yeah. And that's so funny because like, uh, as a story I've told on podcasts before, my best friend called me up for permission because here's the thing. She's a, a therapist. She works really hard, long hours. And about five minute drive from her office is a water park. It's open. <laughs> she called me for permission. Do I have your permission, Kimmy, to like go buy an annual pass and go there on my breaks when, when clients cancel on me? And it's like, yes, of course, go. And we did a happy dance for her. Like, yeah, yeah, you're going to go do it. And then she like sent me a little screenshot from the, from the water park. And so if you can't give yourself permission, then you can go to a friend and say, hey, will you give me permission <laughs> to take care of myself right now or to have some fun? And they'll be like, most of the time, unless they're like, you know, you know who to ask and who not to ask, right? There might be somebody who maybe you don't want to ask that question of. But yeah, most of the time, your good friend's going to say, yes, please, that's good for you. Go take care of yourself. I was just thinking that my friends would, they better not ever ask me for permission because I would turn it into a direct order. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need a direct order to get them moving. Yeah. (laughs) Now, my listeners know that we're on Zoom, so I can see you. And I got to say, I can tell you've been on the stage. Your face is showing every expression that you've just discussed (laughs) in the last five minutes. It's fabulous. You're making it really easy for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have an expressive face. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, it's interesting because when you're even talking about like your own incident two weeks ago where, you know, you just had to have that bath and that cup of tea is my one thought then was it's self-care, you know, mm-hmm. it's just so important and it yes. can be as simple as a cup of your favorite tea or as mm-hmm. you said, smelling a flower, blue sky and water park. Oh my goodness. Just a little sidestep here is I have a, a, an elderly client with dementia who 
I, I just spend time with her so her husband can have a breather. And we have a channel up here that is just, uh, it's called Armchair Tourist or something. Mm. And there's a couple of segments that are fountains. And they're, in fact, like the water things. And we watch the kids, and we can't help but laugh and just, mm. you know, like, so even if you hit up a YouTube thing, if you can't get out to a real water park, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just just watching kids at play or kids with water, that sort of thing. Yes, it's ideal yeah. that your, your friend wanted to go to a water park. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and just, you know, to lay on the, it doesn't even have to be like going down the slide, just to lay on a lazy river in the water park and just like float, you know, and just be, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so all of those, and, and you mentioned kids, I mean, kids are the greatest teachers of joy and laughter of all, because they haven't had all of life pile on top of them <laughs> yet, the most, most kids. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a good thing too. Although I do know people who were, have met people who've been raised without laughter, like in very serious homes where laughter oh, wasn't nice. encouraged or there was abuse or something else going on. And they can also feel guilty, like they're not worthy of laughter or like, it's not okay. There's something wrong with it. So again, you need to, if that's the, a deeper issue then to get some support with that, to help work through that would be a really great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was sort of an eye-opening comment. Um, just realizing that. Yeah. That I mean, I remember I was talking to a senior center many years ago and I did have a gentleman come up to me and say, I don't know how to laugh like laughter wasn't allowed in my home. And it was, it was, it was kind of heartbreaking to me. He was in his nineties. And, and I said, well, if laughter's too much, then you can just sit and find something to smile at just to start with smiling. But yeah. And I had another friend who had a very abusive upbringing and had all of these judgments come up around fun. Cause I was teaching a program about fun at the time. And she was taking my fun program and she was like, just the harshness of the judgments in her own head that fun is not allowed. And so, I mean, that's serious stuff and it's sad, but it, it's, it's out there. And I'm sure maybe somebody that's listening in will identify with that. Um, but most kids do get to play and have fun and, and can, can call upon that, can call upon their inner kid to reconnect with the joyful part of themselves, which is basically what, what I did in my life, you know? Yeah. And what's like, when I see that, when I'm doing big groups of people and speaking to big groups of people, I actually give them permission at the beginning to play and laugh like they're little kids. And I don't have to like warm them up a lot. Like they're good to go once they've given themselves that permission. Right. Yeah. But that's not the case for everybody. So, you know, you have to like see what the individual needs in any given moment. Yeah. Right. right. A good reminder, perhaps, too. Once again, I have all these elderly clients. And yesterday, just yesterday, I was visiting with a couple. They're both uh, 90-ish. And mm -hmm. they were talking about being children during the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And despite blackout curtains and everything else, because their parents weren't scared in front of them, they, they didn't understand fear in terms of the war. And so they, they remember only joyful childhoods because that's what the parents did for them. And just how for children so often, whatever the reality is, that is the reality. So as parents and grandparents, we really have to keep that in mind and you know, 
keep on yeah. keeping on it in front of the children, even if we melt down elsewhere. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I love that story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess what you're saying is laughter is the best medicine. I don't know who coined that, but well, um... it's it, yeah, it is. It's not a replacement for actual medicine if you need actual medicine. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> but it is certainly a wonderful supplement. And you know, I can't prove in my circumstance that laughter healed me, right? Because the condition I was dealing with, it, you know, it just stopped, right? I can't prove that it was a laughter. I did have some other medical treatments and things going on too. So it was, may have been a combination, but what it gave to me was uh, an uplift that empowered me to make decisions on my own behalf that felt aligned with who I was and what I wanted. And so if you think about those moments in your life where you are feeling down, and you're not feeling good, and someone surprises you with a good laugh, you feel instantly different, instantly better. And so basically, I'm coaching people to be proactive, and to seek that out for themselves, and to not wait for that surprise person to come along and make them laugh to empower themselves with that in in whatever way works for them, because everybody's sense of humor is different. And, you know, what makes 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 different people laugh is different. But the act of laughing is the same across all cultures, all languages, all around the world. If you laugh, another human being will understand what that laugh is. It's there's no no translation needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That really hit home for me. Oh, boy, 30 years ago now, uh, I was in a grocery store. And I live in a multicultural neighborhood. And I watched this scene unfold between two middle-aged couples of another culture, totally different language. I didn't have a clue what they were saying, but by their body language, I knew exactly what they were saying and they were <laughs> killing themselves laughing. And, and I just went, oh my goodness, like every Anglophone I know would have that exact same conversation and have that exact same guffaw at the end. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was really hit home that yeah, all the world over, you know, we're, we're so alike in so many ways. Yeah. And, and it's something that we all, we all share and we all treasure. And so if we treasure it, let's make some more space for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you yeah. also talked about how, you know, if a friend were to tell you a joke or, you know, make you laugh mm-hmm. or something. And I, I thought it's a gift. And if we, most of us know what it feels like to receive a thoughtful mm-hmm. gift. Doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be grand, but a thoughtful gift. Right. And, right. and put that in the same vein where, you know, laughter is a gift. It really is, whether you give it or receive it. Definitely. Definitely. It's something you, you can just share with the world, you know, and yeah. And play is also a gift. Play tends to lend itself to laughter. So playfulness, like during the pandemic, we had a couple of friends who were kind of in our bubble and we would invite them over and have game nights and we would laugh and laugh and laugh so hard. And we needed it so much in the middle of all of that was going on play is a way in. There's so many different ways in, like you mentioned YouTube videos, right? So different types of YouTube videos out there that whatever makes you laugh, you can search for it on YouTube. YouTube has a search bar. You can search for whatever you want. Kids playing, funny cat videos, you know, Carol Burnett show, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever makes you laugh, it's there. So you can give yourself that anytime, pretty much. 
I think one of our family funniest Christmases was, oh, maybe six, seven years ago. And my daughter gifted me the game of pie face. And I don't know if you know what that is. I don't, but it sounds like fun. What but, is it? <laughs> you have this little plastic frame with like the wig on it, like the painted hair, a little thing for your chin. And then there's a little spoon out the front and you put a massive great dollop of whipped cream on it. Uh-huh. And then you push the button. And sometimes it'll whack you in the face with the whipped cream and sometimes you escape. <laughs> and then the next person does it. And I mean, it's just, and then, you know, somebody sooner or later gets the whipped cream in the face. It's the and whipped it's cream the in the face. Pie in the face kind of thing. It's hilarious. But we had like extended family at the table and everybody was just in stitches. You know, and, and hoping for the old guy to get pie in the face, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 One fun thing to experiment with when playing games is, and some people don't like this at all. So it's not for everybody, but to experiment with not keeping score, yes. you know, like because there can be this competitive edge that actually can be stressful for people. So yes. you're actually getting your stress hormones going instead of enjoying. <laughs> the laughter and the fun. And and that's something we did at that mind body program I took many years ago. We didn't keep score. We would play Pictionary or charades or whatever it was. And we would just no, no score. We would just like, everybody would try to guess and we'd end up cracking each other up. And it was a lot of fun that way to, to not keep score. And I, I really enjoy that because then the focus is on the connection with people rather than on, oh, I got to win. <laughs> and in, interactive games like that tend to lend themselves to laughter more than maybe a game of Monopoly. Although if you're playing a game of Monopoly with a bunch of really funny people, then, you know, then you have laughter too. So it, it, the, the company and the game uh, can, can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I don't know if our listeners are getting as much out of this conversation as I am, but again, I'm a grandmother. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. dream of keeping score in a game or a race or anything with my grandchildren because they're little, you know, except for a running race, I'd probably win. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, to to have that same energy with your friends who can appreciate the same adult humor, all that sort of stuff, but don't keep score. Like, just don't go there. Because yeah. even if you're not competitive, you just don't know that your friend isn't killer competitive. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes the joy out of it. You know? Yeah. I mean, some people say, oh, like, no, you got to keep score. What's the fun if you don't keep score? I mean, I've had somebody say that to me and I'm like, oh, no. well, try it and see. You might have more fun than you think, you know, <laughs> or choose a different game. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Just- and and the key in that with is the connection with other people. Like there is a laughter researcher who studied laughter many, many years ago, uh, Dr. Robert Provine, University of Maryland. And he found that people are 30 times more likely to laugh when they're with other people than when they're by themselves. Oh. So that laughter is kind of a social glue, you know, a kind of a social ease thing for a lot of people. But you also have to be care aware that not everybody has the same sense of humor. So sometimes like guys can have that put down kind of humor thing going and they find that funny and that's connecting for them. But if they try it with somebody who doesn't like that, it might be, it might feel actually like an affront, you know? So 
you need to have sensitivity and awareness about other people's sense of humor may not be yours. So, yeah. I'm regretting right now that I can't remember what the show was, but I was watching it by myself one evening and I was laughing so hard and it did occur to me that, oh my God, you're sitting all by yourself and you're laughing uproariously. Whereas usually <laughs> that's the kind of thing that you do with friends because there's some sort of give and take or right, you know, right. like one person can up the ante or something like that. So yeah. yeah but just because you're by yourself doesn't mean you can't laugh. Just oh like, no, no, no. But like it was noticeable said, yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially you can you can seek it out. You can find something to make yourself laugh if you if you really want to laugh. You know, it's it's out there. <laughs> I just looked at something the other day. I don't know if you remember Mayor Tyler Moore's show, there was an episode called Chuckles the Clown's Funeral. Do you remember that? I didn't see that one. I don't, it doesn't ring, ring a bell. Oh my gosh. Look it on YouTube. Chuckle the Clown Funeral, Mayor Tyler Moore. She's trying at a funeral. Everyone's cracking up because it's a funeral for Chuckles the Clown, you know? And so, and she's trying, you know, she's, getting so mad at everybody because they keep laughing and joking. And she's like, no, this is serious. It's a funeral. And then the guy, <laughs> the minister starts and she starts laughing. She goes, you know, that I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. trying <laughs> <laughs> to hold her laugh back. It's hysterical. It is so funny. Yeah. And there's so many great stuff, out, so many great things out there on YouTube to make you laugh. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I'm turning this into an, inter- an interview with me, but. Um, I can remember <laughs> no, my, actually my dad's funeral. My, my mom, of course, was upset. And that, so my, my children and I were staying with her for a few days just to, you know, get things going and sort of keep her distracted. Um, and my kids were, I don't know, like six, seven, and eight at the time. And something went down with the children. And I was doing my motherly thing of giving them the hairy eyeball. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to chastise them in front of my mother mm-hmm. and just glaring at them. And they're old enough to know if they don't make eye contact with mom, it doesn't exist, right? They're, <laughs> they're feeding off of each other and I'm giving them right. the hairy eyeball. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw my mother and she's trying to respect the fact that I'm giving the hairy eyeball, but her lips are tight closed and her whole body's just shaking with laughter. <laughs> You know, so yeah, it's uh, even even at funerals. Oh, definitely. There's always laughter at funerals as people like share stories of their loved ones. There's bound to be laughter at some point. And it's so funny. I've never heard that phrase, the hairy eyeball. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I like that. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's an expression that I use, anyways. I don't know. I'll yeah, take credit for hair. it. <laughs> I could, I could, I could, I could see it. I could imagine it. Right? Oh, of course, dear. they're not going to look. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, there's mom with the hairy eyeball again. <laughs> yeah, right. Just don't look at her. You'll never know. <laughs> no. Lock it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. kids when they're jacking around at the table and, and they really are funny, but you're also trying to teach them table manners and stuff. And the same yeah. thing is, you know, you finally end up just killing yourself laughing, which has just totally destroyed the lesson at hand. But that's I all know. Right. It's and, worth and it. And I, one of my nephews, I remember it vividly. He, you couldn't yell at him because he would do something to make you laugh every time. Like he wouldn't take it seriously. And then you couldn't help but crack up when you're looking at the table and look, and like his sisters would be like, that's not fair. 
when we get yelled at, <laughs> you don't laugh with us. Yeah. But he was the youngest and he just kind of got away with it. And maybe that's a gift too. I mean, obviously yeah. there's times and places when you accept the criticism or the, the, the learning, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, just to be able to bring the joy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to swing the pendulum for a moment. Okay. Are there any mistakes a person can make in trying to find joy? Hmm. Well, um, I think the, the biggest mistake is thinking that it has to be some big, huge thing, right? That would be a big mistake. And we, we mentioned that already, but I, it's worth mentioning again, because thinking that joy has to be huge, jumping up and down, whatever, huge smile on your face, Joy can be more subtle than that as well. It can be the the comfort of holding a loved one's hand or hugging your grandkids or, you know, anything can, can be joy if it makes you feel good. So it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. And I would say the other uh, mistake people would make is not valuing it enough, thinking that it is of lesser value than something else that's more productive or more serious or whatever that they don't see what it does for their being, for their well being to have that joy and have that laughter. And like you said, in the introduction, they pay lip service, right? Enjoy the journey, stop and smell the flowers. But if you look at how they're actually spending their day, days can go by weeks can go by without any of that. And, and so to just bring it in in small amounts where you can is um, is key, is key. And and to be gentle with yourself, if you notice, oh, yeah, I haven't laughed in three days. <laughs> I better go do something about that. And there are, of course, times when someone's grieving or, or things are hard or heavy where you wouldn't expect that of yourself to be able to have that. But in your normal everyday life, it is such a great stress buster. It just changes the biochemistry of your body instantly to laugh or to have fun or to do some of that self-care we were talking about earlier. So I would say those are the two biggest mistakes, not not valuing it and thinking that it has to be some big, huge thing that's out of their reach. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're grieving for someone, they must have brought you joy in the past. Oh, definitely. You know, so go there as well as the grief, you know. Yeah. And once again, we're back to those funerals with the laughter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a kind of bittersweet joy, but it's still joy, you know, to to have a a beautiful memory of what you got to share with that person. Yeah. Yeah. That that is, I think, soothing to your soul to do that, to look back in that way. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of parallels between you explaining finding joy and, you know, all the small moments. And gratitude, joy and gratitude, because gratitude, some people think, oh, you know, I didn't win the lottery. I didn't get a new car. You know, I didn't get the job. Um, And it doesn't have to be something big. It can be something as simple as the first snowdrop in spring or the sunset or the dog next door. Yeah, definitely. I actually just out of curiosity, Googled joy and gratitude once and a study came up that said that they fuel each other, which made total sense to me, which was why I was Googling it in the first place, because I'm a big proponent of gratitude. I keep a gratitude journal and I have every night for many years now. And 
for me, I mean, some people like to do it at the beginning of the day. I'd like to do it at the end of the day. It kind of solidifies the memories from that day. And I, so I go to sleep with that feeling of, oh yes, all these, these are the good things in my life. Right. But the gratitude feels joy and joy feels gratitude. They're like, they're like back and forth with each other. And yes, you, you can be grateful for, again, people start a gratitude journal and they'll get bored really quick because they're tired of going, I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for my dog, you know, to take it deeper than that with the beautiful, to be aware of the subtle, beautiful moments in any given day. Oh, I'm grateful for that smell of rain that I had when the rain came last night, or I'm, I'm grateful to have laughed on the phone with my friend or, or even that you're, you're just grateful. Like now with all the things that have happened in recent months with the supply chain, right. And you think of everyone involved in getting a meal to your plate with all of the ingredients, the shippers, the growers, the, all of the people in the world connected through this meal on your plate with all the different ingredients in a meal, you know, like there's a, there's a deep level of gratitude too. So they, they just are so connected, joy and gratitude and gratitude and joy. And again, so if joy feels far away, start with gratitude, start with something. I be grateful for your breath flowing in and out right now. In, in times of COVID, when people couldn't breathe and they were on respirators, that breath is a powerful thing. And I used to say that to my yoga students. I'm like, you know, when you've got a cold, right, and you can't <laughs> breathe and you're so clogged up and you've got a cough and bronchitis going at the same time and you're like, oh, I just want to be able to breathe the way I would normally breathe again. And yeah, for a week or two after, you're like, oh, yes, the breath feels really good. But then you forget. And so it's bringing that back and another gratitude story. (laughs) So we were fortunate to be able to travel to China and Tibet many years ago, back in the nineties. And in Tibet, the the restroom facilities were uh, lacking to say the least. (laughs) And even the outhouses were just beyond anything I could step into. I just couldn't. I ended up, I ended up mooning a bunch of Japanese tourists without my realization because I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself. Did they to find go. joy in that? <laughs> <laughs> they may have, they may have, but I came home and it was shopping for my niece's wedding in a department store. And all of a sudden I have to go to the bathroom. So I walked to the ladies room. There was marble everywhere and toilets that flushed and little little potpourris on the, on the thing. And I felt like I'd gone into, you know, some sort of Royal palace or something. So it just, the gratitude of a toilet that flushes, you know, and then in a bathroom that smells good uh, and it there being there when I need it. So just, just, you know, sometimes people, if they have trouble with gratitude, they can look at it from the other point of view of, what can you be grateful for that hasn't happened to you? Like a sort of, it could have been worse kind of gratitude (laughs) even if if that's where you need to start. Yeah. 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 Many years ago, I read a book, the five people you meet in heaven. Mm. And it really made me aware of uh, the fact that you don't know what you don't know. Like, because you actually turned right at that intersection, you didn't get hit by the car, you know, that was plowing through, like it didn't happen. So exactly. just to realize that we don't know what we should be grateful for. So let's just be generally grateful. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had an incident like that just a couple of weeks ago. 
we got stuck in traffic. We, and my husband was like, oh, I should have gone the other road, blah, 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 blah. You don't know what you don't know, right? Just as we were reaching our destination, a car accident happened to our right. And one of the, the car who hit the other car took off. They just took off down the road, hit and run. And so my husband and I changed our mind. We sped off and got a picture of their license plate oh, and went back to the person who had been hit and gave her, gave them the license plate number. So the cops would have that. But if we had, if he had taken the, the, the road with the less traffic, right. We wouldn't have been there for that woman and her little dog in the car. Yeah. And so you don't know what you don't know. So to just be grateful for what is you're here, you're breathing, you're above ground. It's good. (laughs) As I've said a few times, I work with old people and, uh, oh my goodness, the number of times they say, I woke up this morning. Yeah. It's a a good day. I woke up this morning. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's true for everybody, you know? Yeah. But I think when you're older, you appreciate it. I think, I think they appreciate it more because it's more real to them. Right. Like, when you're younger, you can like put your, like you kids not seeing the hairy eye, right? Yeah, right. You can kind of, <laughs> kind of like block it off in your mind. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's true. And, and you realize that more at those times when you lose a loved one and you just really appreciate the preciousness of each moment with them. Yeah. And with yeah. others in your life. You yeah. Still everybody, yeah. everybody. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's funny. I, I, I keep notes and I was going to ask to vote stories, but I think between the two of us, <laughs> I have a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I have to say in my notes, I put examples of people who, as you say, went from crappy to happy. And mm-hmm. I just, I like that phrase. So I just had to <laughs> say it out loud. From crappy yeah, to happy. Yeah, crappy to happy. Yeah. Well, so I have a little, a little course called the Joyful Self Jumpstart. And one woman who had taken it, she came to me and she said, I went into it at a time when I didn't have any joy in my life. I was working so hard. I have the responsibilities of my kids and the troubles that they're going through and all the responsibilities of my job. And I was just feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And I honestly didn't even know what joy was for me anymore. And she went through the program and she's like, I discovered joy wasn't what I thought it was, that it was more simple and more the small things in life that I savor for me, that it wasn't what I thought. And so sometimes people need to go on that discovery process with themselves to understand what it actually is for them, because it may not be what they think. Yeah. Cause you may have one thing in your mind and then you're like, Oh, I put on this piece of music and that brought a smile to my face, you know, or it just may be something small like that, that you didn't, that you'd forgotten that you loved. And I I think a lot of people too might have that experience where in the midst of all the chaos, you know, they're putting dinner on the table and they put that little dollop of, I don't know, red pepper jelly on their baked potato that everybody goes like, really? Really? But it's all about them and that little dollop of red pepper jelly and that moment of this is about me. So we're talking a <laughs> teaspoonful of joy, but it's still, you know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be my teaspoonful of joy, but I appreciate okay, so it. Now you, know what somebody. <laughs> now you know what my teaspoon of joy is. <laughs> like that jam would be my the... teaspoon of, of fanning my mouth. <laughs> It's like jam under scrambled eggs. What can I say? (laughs) 
Okay. Kim, our audience is primarily boomer women. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we haven't, I mean, amidst all the stories that we haven't touched on that you want mid-age women to think about? Well, as a mid-age woman myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, the older I, we get, the more we're still just mid-age. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess I'm like, I'm like looking at 60, not too far away going, okay, I, I'm still mid-age. Yes. Yeah. So I would say, hmm, there's so many different ways I could go with this answer, right? <laughs> so I would say this is a time of life to discover more about yourself. Like you think maybe at that age you should know all about yourself, right? But it's discovering or rediscovering more, you know, what you enjoy, what you want. It's like an opportunity to explore new things, try new things, not get in a rut, like to get yourself out of any rut that you might be in, you know, and not just think, you know, there's sometimes all these negative beliefs about aging and what aging is, and it's, you know, downhill from here or whatever, like all those just challenge that all those beliefs and allow yourself to let it be the best, best time of your life. Cause it can be, it definitely can be. You have all this wisdom, you have all this gained life experience and there's still a little kid in you too that might want to play and have fun. So it's like a process of rediscovery. And that's, that's why um, I offer a free resource on my website. That's powerful questions to help you with that rediscovery process of rediscovering. What do I enjoy? What, because sometimes you ask somebody like, what do you, what is joy for you? Or what do you enjoy? And they don't know because it's been so long since they felt it. So it's really rediscovering that for yourself and giving yourself permission again and again and again to go, yes, this refuels me. Yes, this makes me better for the other people in my life. If I want to serve, if I want to be love and be joy and be laughter for other people to give those gifts, then I need to give them to myself as well. Yeah. I like the fact that you use that word rediscovery. Because Mm -hmm. one of my themes within my own business is just the fact that, you know, like I'm getting closer to 70 and Mm -hmm. for the last 35 years, 40 years, I have been an employee, a wife, a mother, Um, Mm -hmm. I've been a daughter, took care of my mother, all that stuff. And so many times you can lose track of who you are. Yeah. So now in this third age or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. is to say okay like who am i like what what am i about and 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 that alone should be able to bring you joy you know just rediscovering yeah. yourself definitely rediscovering yourself at any age it's an ongoing enjoying the journey <laughs> discovery process yeah. you know and and it's so beautiful there's also these other workshops and it's not on my website it's on my friend's website she does equine coaching okay um where you work with horses and the horses are kind of a a mirror for whatever you want right or whatever you need or wherever you are they reflect where you are and to see people in the process of doing that work i i lead the meditation portion at the beginning and then she does one on one coaching with the people and the horses and what their true needs are, what their true wants are, or what their blocks are to those show up in the, in the process of discovery. And so it's like you get to see that discovery happening live firsthand with the horses. And, you know, like a, a, an example of a communication one, 
they were working on communicating they wanted this from the horse. And she's like, well, if they didn't understand it this way, then maybe you need to do it this way. Or maybe you need to try to communicate this way rather than just giving up and going, oh, I said it and they didn't understand me and blah, blah, blah. You know, and just to see the joy in people's faces as they're interacting with the horses. And I think that's another thing. I mean, I could talk on, go on and on about animals and how animals can bring so much joy to so many people. I mean, I just look at my cats and they just make me smile so often. Oh, that's they great. have their own quirky personalities <laughs> that make me smile and they do silly things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. We've been sort of hinting throughout. You have courses. Yeah. I'm going Ta- I'm kind of all over the place today. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just meant though you're, you're hinting about some of your courses. So tell us about your yeah. courses on your website. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so like I, I said, I, I recommend this isn't a course really. It's a, a self guided thing, but to take my freebie and really sit and breathe. And take time. It's like 10 powerful questions to rediscover your joyful self is the name of the little worksheet. I have notes here. <laughs> and like, not just download it and put it to the side, right? To have it somewhere where you're going to see it and reconnect with it and ask yourself those questions over and over because your answer one day, it may be a deeper answer another day. And then the week after that, something else may come up. And so to have it be that ongoing discovery, rediscovery journey, like we we're oh, talking about. And then I have some mini programs. One is uh, Joyful Self Jumpstart, which is meant to come after the asking yourself the questions. It's more about embodying it. You know, once you've done a little bit of that discovery process, and it goes a little bit more into the discovery process as well, but it's also about how do I embody this? How do I fit this into my life? What does it feel inside my being to be my joyful self again? Yeah. And then there are some other um, programs there for other things like, Give yourself some fun is another program and calm in a crisis is another one. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're on my list, I sometimes do teach live classes. I have a meditation intensive that I teach. I have another intensive that I'm in the works of planning right now that's going to come out later. So yes, I love, I've discovered the, the self-talk programs are great and they work if the person actually, actually follows through and does it, you know, so you need to like, make that space for yourself. They're very simple, very quick, very easy to do, but you actually need to give yourself permission to do it. Right. But I also love teaching live and during the last two years, obviously that was missing. And so I'm, I did some on zoom and I got used to teaching on zoom. It is a different experience than teaching live with people, but it also opens it up to more people in the world that I couldn't have necessarily taught before if I'm I'm doing it that way. So so I will be doing more of that, even as the world is (laughs) headed back to hopefully some kind of normal now. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Yeah. I hear a lot of people that are going to be doing the hybrid, like the two live and online now, because online is a a whole new reality for a whole bunch of people. It really is a whole new reality. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and an interconnectedness that's there that we were, you know, desperate for when everybody's <laughs> on lockdown. Right. Yeah. Of course I live in Florida, so we didn't really have a lot of lockdown here. So. Yeah. Well, we won't go there. I heard about yeah. it firsthand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, everybody honors their own boundaries with it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I will admit that I checked out your website and those courses look great. Um, as for you listeners, Kim actually shares the first two videos of each course. 
so you can check them out. And I must say, your voice is perfect for those courses. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, thank it's great. Um, and I'm also crass enough to discuss money. The courses are so reasonably priced, there is no excuse. Yeah. Now, I did. I was going to ask you about 10 powerful questions, but you told us that. I also do uh, professional speaking in other environments, too, with companies. So that I bring a more, they always, it's more like a breakout session than a keynote speak. It's speech. It's more like really an interactive little workshops that I offer that really people walk away with tools and things that they can put to use right away. So, and I love doing that. And yeah, and I'm, I'm getting back out to do that live in front of people again. (laughs) And I'm really excited about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's nice talking to you face to face too, because every time you talk about stuff that you're doing, it's like your your face lights up with joy. So, yeah. so obviously, you've found <laughs> I, your calling. <laughs> I love teaching so much, and I love I love seeing the impact that it can have on people. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. that's great. Last year, I had a laughter yoga master trainer on the show, and I think Mm. this needs to be more than an annual event, (laughs) being reminded (laughs) to find the joy, bring the joy, be the joy. So where do our listeners find you online? Uh, My website is joyfulbeing.com. And if you want to go straight to the questions at joyfulbeing.com slash questions. And I also have a YouTube channel, Joyful Being with Kim. And I've got... I'm taking a little break from it for a couple of months, but I'll be back with like new fun stuff coming. And there's already a ton of videos there to uplift and make you laugh and bring you gratitude and all that kinds of good stuff. So um, yeah, oh, out, there on, out there on YouTube as well. Oh, there so. you go. So you don't have to go far to find something that brings you joy. You don't have yeah. to watch any more cat videos. You can go to Kim's <laughs> YouTube channel. <laughs> Okay. Listeners, as always, Kim's links will be in the show notes. If you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening, or we can be found at Apple or Google or iHeartRadio. Most places a person would listen to podcasts. And of course, there's always the website, twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. Leave stars. They help us grow. Please and thank you. Hit the subscribe or follow button before you go, and then you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with two friends who could benefit from finding more joy, experiencing more fun. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would, there's an application form on the website too. Kim McIntyre, thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. had so much fun chatting with you today. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's been great. And uh, I don't know if our listeners are laughing, but I appreciated all the laughs. That was great. <laughs> Have a great rest of the week.